Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss the technical and people side of safety. Safety should be your primary leadership tool for discovering more about your people and culture. Your host is Dr. Mark French, also known as the Safety Dude. Mark is a credentialed, experienced, and passionate professional with experience in automotive, food, chemical, nuclear, e-commerce, and energy sectors. He is going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety based on industrial and organizational psychological theories. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in people management and how they impact our everyday workplace. And welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety Podcast. Hey, I am your host, Mark, and I am so happy that you're with me today as we go through some of the current issues in EHS. What do they mean for us? How do they affect us? And uh, how can we prevent it from happening? Uh, So many times we see in the news where it's the bad things we see. And as a safety professional, as an HR professional, these are the things we we don't want to happen to us when we're uh, doing our job. We don't want to be the ones in the news. And that's part of what we're working on and working toward is keeping our workplaces safe and healthy. And this week came across a few a number of interesting articles. It's uh, I may not even make it through everything I expect to make it through during this podcast. So uh, let's just jump on in here and let's get started. So the first one that I have come across is this one was from uh, OHS Online, and it is a pizza company out of Illinois that unfortunately had a 29-year-old sanitation worker lost her life Uh, while performing her work. So they were doing sanitation. Uh, She was evidently blowing out a line using an air uh, air compressed air to blow out a spiral line going down. Somehow her head became caught in the equipment, and this led to a fatality. Uh, OSHA looks like the fines are going to be proposed around almost $3 million between two companies. So the, the company, the actual food company, uh, was cited, of course. But then also, because this was through an agency, uh, the agency is also being cited for not providing a safe workplace for that person. Of course, what is the root cause here is a lockout-tagout system. From my experience in the food industry, the most dangerous work every day or at whatever increment you they were supposed to do it based on whatever you were making was sanitation. The harshest chemicals, the most hazardous work going on, it's usually fast-paced because that's downtime. And so the organization would always see that as how do we improve it so we can get the equipment up and running faster to be making product. That downtime was a cost of money. It was also a very important job. It wasn't that it needed to be rushed and cut short, but there was always a pressure to make it leaner, make it faster, make it better, make it so that it could move along quicker 
so that you would be able to get production back up and running. One of the trends, and this is something I've talked about and we've chatted about on some other episodes, is the use of temporary labor uh, for the sanitation crews, that they're no longer full-time people, that it's a usually a crew brought in either from a con- contracted company or like a temp agency. And in some cases, uh, some of the earlier, it was actually youth uh, that they were illegally using young workers to do this kind of work, which is a whole nother thing. And I've talked about it before and I'm not going to rehash the frustration and anger that I feel because of that. In this case, what we see is a blatant lack of lockout. And this is not uncommon from what I have read from other sources and talked to other people. There's a tendency to keep it running. Because it's easier. If the piece of equipment comes to you, you can clean it. So you just stand in one place, you turn it on, you do your thing, and you don't have to walk up and down it and then inch it along or advance it and then clean it. It just cleans as it goes. And so it makes sense. It makes it efficient. And on the surface level, it looks efficient until you look at the safety hazard. And that's where you have to put that safety hat on. And you have to look at the situation, and this is one of the key principles we talk about in safety management, and here is one of those key examples, is you take 30 seconds, you step back and you go, how could someone get hurt doing this? And if they were to get hurt, how would it be done? So let's say you're you're 100% sure someone will get hurt doing this job. So let's play devil's advocate. And then what you ask yourself is, how do we prevent it? What could we do to, if we knew someone was going to get hurt, what would we do to prevent it? And there's your, there's where you start that, that whole idea of getting on board with fixing those issues before they happen. One of the best examples of doing a group lockout tag out is a sanitation work because it's so many people working in usually a pretty large area because once a food processing area shut down, there's usually multiple phases to making the food. So when you shut down one part of it, you've got to shut it all down. And so it makes sense that you have that supervisor, that manager who goes through with their master locks and they're going through and locking out everything. Boom, 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 boom. And then they put all their keys in that group lockbox. Then they can come in, do the try function. Let's make sure it's not starting up. Everybody put your lock on the lockbox that's going to be in this area or in this large area that we're going to be cleaning And then you keep your individual key. One, we guarantee that everyone has their lock on. So we're able to have that pre-shift walkthrough that's a safety walk. We're all going to do it together. We're going to watch and we're going to do the master lock process. We're going to then go with our supervisor, see him put all of, put those keys into the lock box. Then we're all going to place our locks. One, we know when everybody's done, their lock will be taken off and the equipment cannot start until every single person has removed their lock. And then the supervisor is then able to go through, unlock everything, and begin that pre-startup sequence, whatever that looks like. In this case, though, it wasn't even a failure of like a lockout tagout procedural. It was the lack of lockout tagout entirely, which is unacceptable in a lot of... It's just unacceptable. I I don't understand how 
lockout tagout is still not something that we're doing regularly. And I've seen it. I've actually seen uh, very skilled people make very good reasons why they don't want to lock it out. And it's usually inconvenience rather than actually having something. They, they don't see the risk as high as what it could be, usually because they've done it over and over and over again, and they feel, they feel safe around that equipment. They feel like that's something they should be doing. In this case here, I'm not sure how long the person was on the job, being a temp worker, uh, being in sanitation. My guess is that if I was going to make a large assumption, probably not too long on the job, probably very minimal training, uh, probably didn't fully understand what needed to happen to make it right and led to a horrible situation. And again, lack of lockout tagout when honestly some, it could have been done in a very effective and efficient way when evaluated and a little bit of training, a little bit of empowerment, a little bit of feedback would have went a really long way. But given that there was a bunch of other like, there were fall hazards found. There were guarding issues found. There was no electrical protective equipment. Electrical hazards were exposed. Uh, also, no, no eye protection and no other PPE. And again, sanitation is some very, very harsh chemicals because it's made to kill the bacteria and the viruses on the line so that you're making safe food. So it's a very potent chemical. And here we see this happen. So let's take a quick break. Let's come back in a moment and let's talk about some other items and EHS on the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. DSDA Consulting. Learn you. Lead others. The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is an amazing tool. Problem is that it can be easily misinterpreted. Dr. Mark French is MBTI certified and ready to help you discover your inner strengths. The MBTI assessment can help with team building, stress management, communication, conflict management, and so much more. Individual and group sessions are available to help you discover what makes you great. For more information, visit us on the web at tsdaconsulting.com. And welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. I'm not sure how I missed this story uh, earlier in the year, but I came across as it got reposted. Uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce actually wrote a blog posting about this, and it, it goes back to January of when this happened, but I missed it, and I think it's a very important item to talk about. And it's about OSHA looking at posing some regulatory agenda that began back in the Obama administration during the Trump administra administration got dropped. And now under the Biden administration is picking up steam again and it's kind of sliding through. And there's been some comments and there's also a lot of expectations that if it passes, there would be of course, legal challenges of all kinds, uh, but it's a very interesting twist on labor and how OSHA falls into almost that political spectrum of labor. And what it's what they're saying is that whenever an OSHA inspection is to occur, that a union representative can join in with the OSHA inspection, even at non-union facilities. 
So if OSHA is coming to your site to do a walkthrough and you don't have a collective bargaining agreement, you don't have a union, you don't have a labor contract, uh, a union representative of that group that would potentially represent your employees if there was a collective bargaining agreement can join in on that walk. Now, I'm going to avoid as much as I can giving my political preference to this, but what I want to play with is what does this mean? How does this affect the workplaces? And could it even open the door to furtherment of other things? Some of the arguments that we that I've read or that, well, would this allow other types of potential people of vested interest to also join along on a OSHA visit? Well, for now, it would only be the collective bargaining part of it, that a union representative could be there. One of the biggest opportunities in collective bargaining and has been since the early part is they always wanted fair pay for the work, but most importantly, they wanted a safe workplace. OSHA was created from a lot of pressure from collective bargaining and unions. It was that legislation was passed with high hopes of making all workplaces safer, not just those that are unionized, where the union helped dictate what safety would be. It became where it was pushed by that group. And so if they come into a workplace, the the thought here is that I'm sure that if they were able to go into a workplace and see some significantly unsafe conditions or unsafe conditions, that would be a rally cry for unionization at that site. They would speak with fact if we saw this, 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 and this. And if you were to join our union, if you were to join in on our collective bargaining, let us fight for you to create a safer workplace because your employer has chosen not to follow the law. So we will force them to follow the law. We will give you the voice. We will give you the power. We will give you the ability to find that safe workplace. And I'm sure with the highest of good intents, that's what it is. On the flip side, and the some of the arguments is that where, where does this stop? How much does power does that give? How much information is too much information? How much is it going to give away? And I have worked on both sides of that. I have worked on the union side of the group. I've worked in non-union facilities. I've done both. As a safety professional, I have seen both sides. And I will be perfectly and blatantly honest. At the end of the day, all I cared about was, did people go home safe? Each of those styles, non-union and union, had their own issues. Both had me at times want to bang my head against my desk and, and try to put my head through a wall from frustration of getting things done. Were they different problems? Absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, what they talk about, like you look over the fence at someone else's. I mean, it's just different problems. There's still problems wherever you put yourself. It's just different. It's a different fight. It's a different methodology. It's just completely different. And I'm sure I've said the word different like 40 times there. It's not better. It's not worse. And I, I've read some really interesting, like the history of labor and understanding how it came up. And I understand now where we're at that early on, it was such a powerful method to say, we're here to protect you. 
first and first and most importantly, there has to be a safe workplace for you to go to, for you to earn that wage. And that was a big fight. And then decades ago, of course, there was, as a, as organizations become big, there was some things that people disagreed with, maybe some corruption and, and some other misinformation. And it, it does hurt that. And and now we see like organized labor is on, was on the decline there. But what this is saying is that this opportunity, and I'm not sure how the opportunities would come or whatever. And the argument is that this is politicizing OSHA. Is it giving employees a voice? Hmm. I, I don't really know. I don't know what this legislation will look like, but I know that there's been a lot of discussion about it online. And again, I'm not sure how I missed it. It absolutely blows my mind that I have been looking around and now I'm catching up on that. There were postings in April and January all about what this proposed rule could do to allow union representatives to escort and be part of an OSHA inspection with um, at any non-unionized or unionized side. So very interesting. I'm going to continue to follow this because I think this is going to really divide the safety community. This is going to divide what we believe in as far as how we are working and progressing through safety. Wow. I just, uh, interesting. I don't really have much else to say about that other than I need to find out more because now my my interest is high in how this could really affect the future of how we conduct business as safety professionals. Anyway, the music is telling me that we are getting close to the end of this podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Again, I only made it through two news stories of the ones I really had slated. Maybe I'll catch up with the other ones later. Hey, summertime is upon us. Be careful out there. Remember, rest, water, and shade. Take breaks. Stay as cool as you can. Stay hydrated. We're in the summertime. Really want to make sure you stay uh, stay as hydrated and as cool as you can while you're working outdoors, doing your jobs. And of course, watch out for everyone else who's out there. If you've got someone outside working, doing their garden, check in on them. Make sure they're okay. Until next time we chat, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the online conversation at www.markafrench.com. All opinions expressed on the podcast are solely attributed to the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.